0: How are you? Awesome. Man, I need to come out that way every week. Absolutely. So I told Crystal that we were doing... uh, Crystal's my wife. I told Crystal that we were doing thank you notes this morning. Um, And uh, and she said, well, I've got one that I'd like to write. And uh, it goes like this. Thank you, lads, mustache for reminding all of us women why we don't allow our husbands to wear mustaches. (laughs) All right. Thanks, Kev. Appreciate it, bro. All right. Next week, I'll come out. You guys can rock me in just the same way. All right. Well, good morning. Welcome to K2. It's good to have you here. My name's Lad. I'm one of the teaching pastors here. And I hope you're enjoying the holidays. How many of you guys got a tryptophan overdose this week? Alright, that's what's in your turkey. Alright, and so I hope you enjoyed that. We did this thing, we had a big dinner, and so because leftovers are never quite enough, because I I don't know what your experience is with Thanksgiving, but aren't the leftovers better than the actual meal? They just are. I don't know how to explain it. it. I don't know if it's a refrigerator. I don't know if it's as it sets up and gets gelatinous and then reheating in the microwave makes it better. But what we decided to do is we had our first turkey, and I said first, and so we cooked that, and then we skipped a day and we cooked the second turkey to make sure the turkey lasted through all the potatoes, all the stuffing, all that. So, so we still have leftovers, and we're enjoying it. And uh, you probably didn't plan quite so well, so I'm sorry about that. But uh, I'm going to have leftovers today when I get home, all right? So, um, yeah, so we're in the middle of this Love Evolution series. And if you haven't been with us, we're talking about a, a Christmas love revolution. We're talking about a, a love revolution, a dramatic change in the way we view life and the way we do life together, and we view the world, and we view God, all because of God's great love for us, all right? So a revolution is this dramatic change in the way something operates. Uh, man, we've been seeing a lot of revolutions, haven't we? And we've been seeing tons of revolutions around the world, and and it just dramatically changes overnight the way systems of politics, systems of government, the way things work quickly, rapidly, dramatically change. And and a love revolution is that when God's love comes into your life, it ought to dramatically change who you are, the way you are, the way you operate. There are people here in our church who literally, I watched them uh, within the last year, come here, maybe like some of you, not really sure you even believe in God, not sure really you 're even wanting to engage with this idea of of following a God, much let alone jesus and and you came and you heard the gospel and and there 's literally people sitting here this morning who a year ago didn 't believe that at all and have come to see God totally change their lives, come to believe that Jesus is God and that he forgives their sin and and they've become completely new people. God's word says that when you believe in Christ, you become a new creation. And there are people here sitting in this room who a year ago didn't believe that at all, and have seen God dramatically change their lives. And for you and I, as we continue to walk with God, God still has dramatic changes for you. In fact, if you've been walking with God for a while, um, I think what you'll find is, is probably similar to what I've experienced in that some of the things that change at first are some of the outward actions, some of the, the symptoms of bigger issues that are deep inside your heart. And the more and more and more you walk with Christ, actually the greater the changes get and the more they get to the core of who we are. And so we're talking about this, this dramatic change in who we are because of the love of God. And we've been talking about that in the context of Christmas. So thank you to all of you who are tracking with us, as Mary said up here, tracking with us in the idea of of turning around the way we view Christmas. Um, after all, it's not our birthday anyways, right? And And yet we make it all about us. And we're just saying, man, as we celebrate the greatness of the gift of God, could we turn around our expectations of how we... Spend ourselves at Christmas time, and spend a portion of that giving intentionally to others. Spend a portion of that giving intentionally to some of the great projects and the ministries that we have here as a church. And so we're we're turning that around, and and we're we're here in the book of First John. So if you have your Bibles, I encourage you. We're going to jump right into First John today, and uh, we're in First John chapter two, and we've been talking about how God completely changes. Uh, the way we look at life when his love comes into us and and that our interaction with God is different our interaction with each other is different today we're looking at the fact that our interaction with the world is totally different totally different because of the love of God I'm going to pray for us and uh, and then we're going to get started in 1st John chapter 2 God as we come to you this morning it's my prayer that you would be here and that you would speak, that as we talk about your word and as we read it out, God, that you in your Holy Spirit would would help it to make sense uh, to our heart and mind um, for each person here, for those who who know you and have the Spirit and for those, God, who are here and who don't know you. God, would you reveal yourself in such a way that God, your word makes sense because your word is alive and it's active, and, and God, you want to move and work in each one of our lives. God, not for, um, not for our bad, but for our good. You want to draw us more and more into the good things that you have for us. And so God, would you speak to us this morning, we pray, in Jesus' name, amen. Last week uh, when we were here, we talked about the fact that God says um, when we don't walk in his love, when we don't walk in obedience to him, we don't have fellowship with him. But in First John, over and over, here's why John writes the book. He writes the book to Christians, and in First John five thirteen, he says at the end, he says, I'm writing these things to you so that for those of you who believe, that you would know that you're forgiven, that you know that you have eternal life. He's writing to instill confidence in his people. And then in, in chapter 2, he says, I'm writing these things to you so that you don't sin. He said, but when you do sin, because he says all Christians are going to stumble and fall and sin and make mistakes, when you do sin, Christ is our advocate. He, he's the one who stands with the Father and said, hey, I paid for that. I paid for their sin, and they're covered. And for you and I as Christians, if you're here and you're a believer man, it's the best news of all. Because he says, we are going to stumble and fall towards more and more and more fellowship. He says, we can know right now that we're going to know him forever. Literally, we can know today as believers that we are going to, at some point, start knowing him and continue to know him forever. And and he says the reason that he's writing is to encourage us with that. He isn't writing to encourage doubt. So as we jump into this today, you and I are going to hear the word. And what we're going to say is we're going to say, oh, my word, I, I still struggle with some of these things. Uh, oh, no, I, man, I see my sin. I hear my sin coming from the word. And, and what John is saying is he said, when these are the symptoms of your life, you don't know God. You're not in his love, and, and I, I just want to remind you that what John is writing is he's writing to Christians so that they would have more confidence about their relationship with him, so that they would know. Some of you were here this morning, and you are to- you're just figuring it out. You, it's Christmas season. You just had Thanksgiving. Maybe you got pulled here by your aunt, and, and it's just easier to go than to fight it, and, and I'm glad you're here. I'm totally glad you're here. Some of you are here because you really want to know, is this God thing real? Some of you have been involved in religion your whole lives and you've never come to a personal relationship with God. And you want to know, is there more to it than just the rhythm and rhyme of dressing up and doing the right thing and not saying the wrong thing and going and sitting in the right chair as uncomfortable as it is, right? And so is there more to it than that? And that might be where you're at today. And what John says is, he says, I want you to know that you can really know the God of the universe, some of you are going to be here and you're going to say, I I don't know if I know him or not. And, and to be honest, there's some of you that don't know him. And to the extent that you say, God, I don't know you, but I want to know you. That's okay. To the extent that you sit here and you, you think over and over, I'm going to go and do my time right on Sunday, every week, I'm going to do my time and I'm going to be good. And, and I'm going to work this out. I'm going to be a good person and I'm going to give when I should give. And I, I'm going to do all this, and, and hopefully in the end, it pans out, right? Hopefully if there is a God, in the end, I've done good enough, and, and you don't really know because you don't really believe. And I want to tell you, today is the day you can believe. You can go from not believing to believing in an instant. And so to the extent that this causes you questions, that, that's okay, especially if you're at the place where you say, I don't know if I know God or not. I just, I've been trying to figure this out. Man, God's word says come. Literally, his word says that he, he wants to be found by anyone who would seek him. In Hebrews 11, it says that anyone who seeks God um, needs to come to him in faith and believe, one, that he exists, and two, that he's good, that he rewards those who come to him. And if you're there, and if you're here this morning at that place saying, man, God, if you're real, I want to believe in you. And, and I believe you're good. I believe you're not up there looking to squash me, looking for evil to, to hurt every hurt me every chance you get. That you're good, that you want to be found. If you're in that place, I want to tell you, man, today is the day to find him. Today is the day that he wants to be found. And so as we jump into the word right now, and open yourself up to that, all right? So 1 John 2, we're going to start in, in verse uh, 15, 15 through 17. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, for the lo- love for the Father is not in them. Let me say that again. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life, Comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. All right. Um, when it says, "Do not love," this whole idea of love is this idea of being intertwined or or tangled up in. If that makes sense, okay? It says, "Do not love the world." Let me tell you what the world is, and let me actually read this because this is pretty good and uh, specific. The world is a system of identity and significance found in the arena of human activity. Okay, so finding your identity and significance in the arena of of what we do as people, the lives we live as people, okay? Uh, This especially pertains to wealth, material goods. The cares of this world can choke out the word, that's the word of God, and designate all that is hostile, rebellious, and opposed to God. So when he talks about the world, he says, do not be tangled up in the world. Do not be tangled up in everything going the opposite direction of the reality of God and his plan for your life. All right, so so in, uh, in, in a neighborhood situation, you've got neighbors, and uh, you've got a bad neighbor, okay? You're, you're never the bad neighbor. You always have a bad neighbor, right? You're never the bad neighbor. It's always the one right next to you. And so... You have a bad neighbor, and God's word would say to you, man, love that guy. Love that woman, right? Bake her a cake. Like, you know, buy him a tool. I don't know. You know, rake his, rake his yard for him or, or do something kind to him. God's word would say, pour out love where you're not feeling love, right? And, and the world and its system would say, look out for yourself, man, right? call CFS on his kids, right? Or uh, on him, like evil stuff that people do towards each other, right? To give each other trouble. And the world would say, look out for yourself. And and God's word would say, man, pour love out. And, And so when he says the world, he says, don't be entangled in the world. Or the system and identity and system of significance of everything going the opposite direction of of God and his plans for you. So he, here's what it's not. Okay, it's not the physical world. He's not talking about the earth. He's not talking about trees, not talking about mountains, not talking about earth, not talking about animals, not talking about all that. Because God, he said right from the start, he's the one who created it. He's the maker. He created it perfectly and he said it was good, right? God's word also says that when we sinned, That the world started to fall apart. And we see that in human relationships. We see that in the structure and the composition of the earth. But but he still said it is good. And so this is not talking about that. It's also not talking about the people of the world. Because in John 3.16, God says that he loves the whole world, right? He loves people. If you're here, that's because he's drawing you, okay? Um, In John, it also says that no one comes, John 6, 4, I think, it says, no one comes to the father, uh, no one comes to the son, Jesus, unless the father draws him, okay? So if you've come to believe in Jesus, it's because God loved you and he drew you to him, okay? That's how you got here. That's how you came to belief, because he loved you and you're part of the world. And so when we look at this, he's not saying, hate all the people around you, hate the earth, hate everything. He says, don't get tangled up in a system of life that has nothing to do with God's ways. Don't get entwined so much in, in life here that you miss the big picture. Don't get so stuck in the mud and the trees that you miss the bigger picture of the forest and the mountains and the landscape of what God is doing. Here's the difficulty with this, is that, that we are, we're from the world, right? Right? here's the difficulty, is that you and I were, were part of the world. We, we, in in just natural life, were part of it. The world speaks our language. Does that make sense? Like the stuff of life in the world, it speaks our language. We understand it. Have you ever been in a place where you didn't understand the language, and then you come back and you You hear the language. For some of you, for some of you here this morning, you walked into the weirdest place you've ever been, right? This was supposed to be church, and like Jimmy Fallon's on stage writing thank you notes, and there's and it's weird, right? And and you don't understand the language, or maybe you've gotten over Jimmy Fallon, but still, the whole religious language, the whole God language, the whole talking about life and the world and being a believer in a new creation, it's like, man, that's a language I don't understand. Have you ever been in a place where you didn't understand the language and then you hear someone speaking your language? How far away can you hear them speaking their language? You can hear from a long ways away, right? You just hear the tone and your ears plug right into it because they're talking your tune. And here's the difficulty. The world we know that language, right? It's our language. And part of it we're going to find is stuff that God made us to hear. Part of it is just our normal appetites and stuff that's actually good. And so that's a difficulty. The other difficulty is um, like Dave Nelson. If you don't know Dave, he's our, our lead pastor. Like this dude is cruel. Like he sets this message up at this time on Thanksgiving week, Right? Like, so all of us have been eating way too much all week. All of us have been, sh- like, most of you probably spent tons of money this week on stuff you didn't need, and you know you didn't need, and your kids don't even want it, right? And, and you know that. And so we set this sermon up right now on this week. Uh, not really, it just happened to fall here. But um, think about preparing this on a week when, man, it's like, it's like the one time a year. I went to the coffee shop on Monday morning, and um, I... It was actually Tuesday morning. I probably went Monday and Tuesday, to be honest. And, uh, but on Tuesday morning, uh, we kind of have a floating meeting that happens here, and sometimes you're in, and sometimes you're not. Sometimes you're needed, sometimes you aren't needed. And so it was one of those mornings, I was out the door early, and I went to the gym, and I was ready to go, like I was in a holding pattern, right? And then I got waved off, right? And I couldn't land. And so I was told not to come, and uh, so I'm hanging out at the coffee shop in Sandy, and... Um, There are people that I see. I see their faces regularly. You know, when you go to the same coffee shops, you always see the same people kind of thing. And all the seats were full. And all the tables I could hear, it's like, oh, it's holiday. You know, I'm not going into work yet. I'll be late. My boss can hear about it later. I don't need to be in just yet. And literally the whole coffee shop, and maybe that's just me and my slug friends. I don't know. But... um, (laughs) Like, everybody's like, it's holiday. So, like, on the one week that we all know we kind of eat too much, we, man, we're lazy, we go on to work an hour late, you know, on, on that kind of week, we're talking about this, and here's the difficulty. The world speaks our language. Like, we hear it talk, and, and our ears just perk up. We know that song. We know Thanksgiving week, not a whole lot gets done at the office. We know that it's okay to go in an hour late. We know that it's okay to have that refill of coffee because your boss isn't gonna show up till eleven anyway, so what does it care if you get there till ten? Or don't get there till ten. Does that make does that make sense? All right? So we we know that language just like we know that Thanksgiving week is casual. We just know it. And we look forward to it and we can hear it. All right? And so The world, it does. It speaks our language. All right, I want to talk a little bit about what it does. Here's what it says. Um, It says that we uh, are not to love the world. The first thing that it says is that you and I, we make decisions based on love. It's what we do. Uh, There's some of you who are, um, you're great thinkers, and you're convinced that you make all of your decisions rationally, right? You ration things out, and you weigh the costs, and you you balance it, and then you make a decision. Um, But the truth is, and what the Word says, is that you and I make decisions based on our affections. Now, our mind might weigh out the two different sides and have the the positives and negatives of both sides, but in the end, we make decisions based on love. You make decisions, uh, if you cooked the meal this week, you made decisions based on whether or not you love to cook, right? So like you went out or you did something very simple if you hate to cook, right? Or you went over to somebody else's house if you hate to cook and you did the easiest meal because, because you have affection for one thing or the other. Or if you love to cook, you started like two weeks ago getting ready, right? And you had all kinds of new recipes and, and whatever it is and your affection led you to what you did. Does that make sense? Um, all of our decisions get made on, on what we love, how we spend our time, how we spend our money, how we spend. And and he says this, he says, don't, don't get entangled and in love with the world. Instead, he calls us to love, um, the father. Okay. And love what the father calls us to. Okay. So everything in the world, let me read these couple quotes just quickly. Um, Martin Luther said in the 1500s, the God of this world is riches, pleasure, and pride. Okay, these three things. Uh, John Foreman, who's the lead singer of Switchfoot, uh, here's what he says. He says, greed, envy, sloth, pride, gluttony, these aren't vices anymore. No, in our world, these are marketing tools. Lust is our way of life. Envy is just a nudge towards another sale. Even in relationships, we consume each other. Each of us always looking for what we can get out of the other. Our appetites are often satisfied at the expense of those around us. In a dog-eat-dog world, we lose part of our humanity. Um, And kind of all tongue-in-cheek aside, we we see that like on Black Friday pretty pretty clearly, don't we? Um, Is it not crazy how stupid we are? It it is. Um, Like... So the, the lady that got the $20 Wii, right, because she pepper sprayed all the other people around her, um, was able to still check out and pay for all her things and go while the, while the whole store is laying down and pepper spray, right? So she pepper sprays everybody, she gets the $20 Wii, and she's able to go and check out and go home, right? She scored. Right? Or, uh, or maybe you saw the video online about the $2 waffle iron. Like, who really needs a waffle iron anyways? And like a $2 waffle iron, how, how nice can it be? But literally just an obscene, and if you saw the video, it's actually obscene, um, obscene brawl of humanity for $2 sunbeam products, right? Um, ridiculous. And, and, and for us as people... Like, there's that, there's that base stupidity that we all kind of laugh at, and at one point we've all been involved in a little bit, right? And that's why we laugh at it. But, um, but really, everything we do thrives on the way we sell each other, and on the envy we create, and on the way we market lust. So here's what he says. These three things. Everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life, it comes not from the Father, but from the world, and they're speaking our language, all right? And the thing is, they never satisfy. We're going to go through them. They never satisfy. We'll look at them all. Lust of the flesh, uh, physical gratification, food, wine, comfort, you first, attitude in life. Um, When we hear the word lust, we always go towards sexual pleasure, and that's definitely it, because we all understand sexual sin, Uh, but it's so much bigger than just that, Okay? Uh, it's vacations you can't afford. It's holidays you really shouldn't afford and you pay for for years. The part of your schedule that you can't miss, right? The part of your life that you don't work if you don't get this time for you, right? Um, the lust of your flesh, literally the word craving, this all-encompassing craving for, for this, okay? Okay? I was thinking about comfort, and uh, if, if you're, you're new here, um, I've only been here for about a year and a half, and uh, my wife and boys and I moved from Africa. We worked in Africa for like five years, and when we felt like God was really calling us to serve back in the States, um, I'm trying to figure out exactly where that's at. Uh, I want to tell you just an honest comfort thing. We lived on quite a bit less. We lived on about $3,000 a month. And um, you can do that and afford rent and, and life and, and stuff like that. And so we lived on a little bit less. Um, but uh, just in the way communities work and because the poverty line is so very low, um, you can, and we didn't really buy this for about a year, but, but you can really have ministry into families' lives and you can really help people by giving them jobs. So we had two people that worked for us at our house. We had somebody who worked for us in our house, um, Lungile. And she's amazing, and so we had she was a nanny and maid and um and then we had a guy who worked a few days a week in our yard and so um so I was thinking about comfort and and so like I know this you you can probably just all look down your nose at me because this does it seems so embarrassing, but like a genuine cost of like moving out of that culture is like, holy cow, we have a full time maiden nanny, and like i haven't touched the garden. I haven't touched the grass. I haven't raked a leaf in like five years. We haven't cleaned a toilet or done yard work in five years, right? And uh, how many of you would love that, right? (laughs) Like, uh, exactly. Some of you love yard work and you're crazy. And, uh, okay. And so you just have so much time for everything else, for spending with your family. You have so much time for ministry, for work, for life. And, um, and so I'm not saying it's like, but, but comfort wise, man to have that for 5 years while you got little kids around the house and stuff what a huge huge blessing here here's where it here's where it tangles you up if you know god's calling you to something and you're tempted to say no because so intertwined in you is that comfort and that lust for your flesh do you know what i'm saying and and so it's it's all of us we all have these things that that want to entangle us right we all have these things that that we're prone to get tied up in you've got to you got to know what they are and run away from them right it's easy to peg it's easy to peg the person who's addicted to a substance it's easy to peg like the person who's addicted to porn it's easy to peg the person who throws away their marriage because they get caught in adultery. It's easy to peg that person, but it's not just that. You and I have this tendency to peg certain people to make ourselves feel like this doesn't apply to us. And what he says is, man, the lust of the flesh, it can get in there and entangle you. And man, if you're so in love with that that you can't say yes to what I'm calling you to, the love of the Father isn't in you. And again, the John, he has this awesome way of just cutting us down. He says, the only person you're deceiving is yourself. Right? The only, all through the book, the only person you're lying to is yourself. Right? Everybody else can see it clear as day. Lust of the eyes, uh, the finer things in life. Uh, it's amazing how uh, you might not even know about a certain field of something, and it doesn't take you long to figure out what is nice and what is not nice. Right? What is nicer than you have, and what is not nice? Uh, we bought our first house when we moved here a year and a half ago, and uh, we had a broken faucet. That's one of the things it came with. Like, was a not working kitchen faucet, and like, um, so I, you know, you're looking at the different things you can buy. Holy cow! Do you know you can spend literally more than a thousand dollars on a kitchen faucet? I, believe me, I was crazy too. But then you you touch it, and you're like, oh wow, that's nice. <laughs> right? You feel it. And, and, uh, and so what we did is we went with this broken faucet for like nine months until I found on KSL this nicer one, right? Um, for a hundred bucks, right? That somebody, I don't know how they had it, but uh, I bought it out of the back. I bought it in this alley out of the back of a, right? <laughs> I don't know. So, uh, but this lust of the eyes for the finer things in life. And it doesn't take us long to figure out what's nicer, does it? And all of a sudden, you want it. Um, we were thinking, uh, we still don't have cable, we have Netflix, and, uh, and so we, um, we were thinking about adding like, some programming and stuff for the next month, but we thought that would be the stupidest thing we could ever do. Like, all of the marketing in the world towards kids happens right now, right? Because you put it in front of your eyes, and you totally want it. Okay, um, I got to keep rocking here. Uh, There's this amazing movie. I'm going to tell you about it anyways. There's this amazing movie I saw last year. Uh, It's called The Joneses, okay? Um, I think it's rated R, so you probably shouldn't watch it, but it's amazing. And and here's how it's amazing. It's not amazing because it's edifying. It's amazing because this family moves into a suburb just like yours, right? And they have all the right stuff. And you only figure out halfway through the movie... um, you only figure out halfway through the movie that they, act, they aren't actually a family. They're just acting like a family. They're all salespeople. And they're creating envy and lust in all of their different realms, right? And everyone is just dying lust of the eyes to have what they have. Because it's newer, it's better, they're being sold. Now, it doesn't matter if it's the new kitchen or the new kitchen faucet that you have to have, that you gotta tear the old one out, throw it away. It doesn't matter what it is. Man, the question is, how many of us fall prey to what we see and we're not content with what we got and we've got to have it? All right, the pride of life. Uh, pride in position. Craving honor, craving for honor, applause, uh, stubborn mindset that um, won't allow us to repent, confess our sin. The pride of life. And the difficulty with this is there is some pride in life. Proverbs says over and over, work hard and save and give your kids an investment. The lazy man doesn't, doesn't earn anything. He won't ever have wealth. If you work hard, you can have wealth. You can be an honorable man, right? In the New Testament, it says, if you don't work, you don't eat, right? That's the, that's the motto. And so there is pride in life of accomplishment. Solomon says, one of the best things to do is work a hard day's work, go home sweaty, shower up and go to bed and sleep hard because you worked, you accomplished. In Isaiah, God says that man is like grass and grass has glory for a little while. There's pride Grass is beautiful, but it's going to die. It's like the Christmas tree that you're going to buy next week, right? That's going to help pay for the church. It's beautiful for a few weeks, and then it's going to die, right? It, it has glory. It's absolutely magnificent. The one that we got yesterday, it, it's awesome, but it's going to die. And and so the difficulty is there's pride. There's, there's pride in what God can do through you when you see God working. This is a difficult. We hear this language, but... But you and I, instead of operating in freedom and thanksgiving, because this week is thanksgiving, and all of these things we give thanks to God for, we give thanks to God for good food and for a warm house and for a kitchen faucet that works. God, thank you. We give thanks to God for the, the stuff that he's given us. We give thanks to God for what he's done in our lives and in fact he's given us a job. And when you work hard at that job, you ought to get promoted and you ought to get paid more. That's what God's word says. That's how life works. But the difficulty is that you and I get so intertwined that then we're held captive to it. And then we take it where it never was meant to be. And sin runs its course in you and I. And and we're a slave to the good thing that God gave us. And so so these things, um, the lust of the flesh, there's genuine appetites that God gave you. Lust of the eyes. There's good things that God's put here on this earth. Pride in position. There's good things that God wants to do in your life. But God doesn't want us to get so wrapped up in it that we can't hear from Him. This isn't a new. This isn't a new deal. Um, it started in Genesis. I was going to read Genesis, but we're late. So um, in Genesis, Adam and Eve. Go back and read Adam and Eve. Take this verse. Read back through Genesis 3, 1 through 7. Okay, write that down. Genesis 3, 1 through 7. It's the exact same pattern right from the start. All temptation follows these same things. What we want, what we see, the the whole idea that we can be proud, that we can have wisdom. Okay, Satan tempted Christ with the same thing in the wilderness. You can look that up in Matthew 4. So what do we do? Okay, what do we do? First of all, in Peter it says, be sober and alert. Okay, don't be... Don't be dumb. Don't walk around blindly. Literally, John just said a couple verses before when you walk in the darkness, when you don't know him and you walk constantly in darkness, you walk in blindness. He so said, Don't walk around blindly. Literally, Peter says, Be sober and alert because your enemy, Satan, is a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour, prowling around. And he says, Be aware that this life isn't all there is, there's more to it than this. So don't be caught off guard. Be sober. Be alert. Live life on guard for these temptations for you so that you could say thank you, God, but not be intertwined and caught up in it in such a way that you're, that you're held captive to the good things that God's given you. Okay, secondly, um, love the people in the world who don't know this yet, right? So if you are totally caught up in materialism the same way your neighbor is and you're constantly trying to outdo each other, how in the world are they ever going to see the freedom and the love of God? They aren't going to see it. What if they hear that you get a promotion and somehow you get more generous and you give more away? Because that's the kind of pattern that God says. He says he wants you to give regularly and then he wants to give to those who are generous so they can continue to give more and more and bless more and more people. And your neighbor, if, if he's always seeing you trying to keep up with him and outdo him in the same way that he is, You're just caught up in the same language that that he is, the same blindness that he is. All right, last thing. Um, And and this is is the same thing. Living free in thankfulness, all right? Living free, you got to fight, we have to fight our flesh. Okay, food, relationships, appetites, we have to fight those things so we can turn around and live in freedom. I got a friend who, um, he used to be, Uh, Pride, by the way, it's not a social class thing. Everybody has pride, and we all know that. But but like my friend, he, um, he was 58. He came to know Christ. He'd been a pipe fitter his whole life. The first thing he did when he got an apprentice was he taught them a song that they had to sing every morning. His apprentices had to sing this song about how he was always right. Okay, that was the whole song, how he was always right. Okay, all right. And he got saved, and he said, everything I've known my whole life isn't true. He couldn't read. He learned to read. He learned to read the Bible. He went to Bible college. He became a missionary in Alaska. And he said, everything I've known my whole life and prided myself in was wrong. We have to fight our flesh because those things that were so easily entangled. All right? Fight our flesh. Um, fight your eyes. Celebrate contentment. Okay? This season, when you see all those things that you don't have, Right? celebrate contentment celebrate that you don't have the newest maybe celebrate that you don't have to have the newest like everyone does celebrate what you are free from as opposed to celebrating how close you are to being it okay last thing um fight our pride give god to glory in others you know proverbs says close your mouth about your accomplishments And let other people talk about you. When you give glory to God and give glory to others, let other people talk about you. Don't you build yourself up. Glory in what God is doing through others. Man, invest in it, invest time in it. God says live free from all of these things and turn it around and invest into what he is doing. Because the last verse is exactly that. In, uh, in chapter 2, uh, down in verse 15, here's what he says. Let me find it, sorry. He says this. He says, this world and its desires pass away like your Christmas tree is going to pass away, right? Like grass fades away. He says, invest for more than the short term. Invest your life for what counts. Live free from all these entanglements and live and run the long haul all right that's where we're going to land and i encourage you to do that this season thanks for participating in love illusion